BLM resorts to mob tactics to try and get their reparations one way or another. McDonald's could send you to jail if you don't wear a mask in one of their stores. Trump bans TikTok and SpaceX is back. Plus, we will do something that restores my faith in humanity. I'm Jay Edgar, and this is Contemporary. Welcome to Contemporary, folks. That's uh, not the Twitter feed that I wanted to show you out there when we started off with. For those of you over on Instagram, you won't be able to see the news sitting behind me, but for everybody else, we will see what's going on with the news here. So, we've got a ton to get to, of course, as we always do, and I've even got a correction here that I'm going to issue on something that I said on Friday here, but let's go ahead and get started first here. But before we get started, head on over to freedomscoop.com. Freedomscoop.com is going to be your one-stop shop for all of your news and commentary needs. If you look down our list, we've got my shows, we've got Stephen Ignoramus's shows, we've got The Generational Gap, we also carry The Generation... Uh, yeah, I just said the generational gap. We also carry the breakdown with Birkenhoff, the Freckles and Rich Show, and the R-rated conservative. So come on over and check us out over there. It'll be a great time. We'll uh, definitely enjoy having uh, having you guys over over there. Excuse me. Come on over and uh, pick up some of our swag. Help us support great creators and help us push the news forward because everybody's got a bent and we do too. But Let's counteract the narrative with some actual citizen journalism. All right, let's have a look at what the stocks looked like for the uh, week, or for the day, rather, for Friday. Looks like we had kind of a smiley face going on over there on stock uh, land. Looks like we had a dip below. Started off above, dipped below, came back above. So just a little U right there. How close was it, actually? 0.44%, so up 114.67 points. 26,409.33 to start. 26,430.67 to end. I think it was more than, yeah, it was. So it's like 27 points above where we started versus what the previous close was. But, I mean, anything is positive, I guess. So, let's have a look at what the experts have to say. We will start today with CNBC looking at the futures so we can see what possibly could be to come from Fred Imbert and Thomas Frank. Dow futures rise 150 points as Apple leads tech shares higher. Futures contracts tied to the major U.S. stock indices were higher on Monday as tech shares lay the way. Traders also turned their attention to Washington as lawmakers struggled to make progress on a new stimulus package. Dow Jones futures rose 164 points, or 1.6%. S&P 500 futures and NASDAQ 100 futures gained 0.6% and 0.8% respectively. Apple shares rose more than 1% and Amazon gained 0.4%. Microsoft, meanwhile, gained 2.3% after confirming it was in talks to buy a social video app TikTok. Stock futures got a boost after Eli Lilly said it will begin phase sales of a drug aimed at preventing the coronavirus. Shares of Eli Lilly rose more than 2% in the pre-market. Monday's gains come as after a mostly positive week on Wall Street and a blowout earnings reports from some of the nation's largest consumer technology companies. Apple, Amazon, Facebook all posted far better than expected profit results. ERA, hold on a sec. We gotta check on something here because I don't think that I changed my title. We got people over there too. Uh, 
running the wood chipper here because it's mulch day in town. No, I didn't change my title. Ha <laughs> ha. Whoops. It's sitting up there too. Well darn. Whoopsie. Well, that's what the title would have been. Thanks, Blippity Blop, for keeping me honest on that one over there. Let's keep going here. Monday's gains come after a mostly... Oh, I read that one already. Apple, Amazon, Facebook all posted far better than expected results. Thursday evening that showed even one of the worst pandemics in modern era has yet to have a material impact on their bottom lines. Apple, which blew past both overall and iPhone sales expectations, saw its shares rise more than 10% on Friday. Google parent Alphabet stock, however, lagged the rest of the mega cap stock names on Friday after posting a decline in revenues for the first time in the company's history. Still, the resilience in big tech helped around both a mostly positive week and decidedly strong month for U.S. stocks. The major equity averages ended July with solid gains and posted their fourth straight positive month. The S&P 500 gained 5.5% in July, while the Dow and the NASDAQ Composite rose 2.3 and 6.8% respectively. What with some of Wall Street's most important second quarter earnings reports, over investor attention now shifts in earnest to Washington between COVID-19 relief and upcoming jobs reports. Increased unemployment claims and decreasing consumer confidence show some deterioration of the U.S. consumer backdrop, wrote Dennis D. Boucher, market strategist at Evercore ISI. If an agreement to extend unemployment support passes soon, the nascent cyclical risk on rally from earlier in July can continue, he added. Until then, risk on factors will face headwinds despite the sharp decline in COVID net hospitalizations. Republicans and Democrats remain at a standstill over some components of the next coronavirus relief legislation. That's how I feel about that. The key debate that separates the two parties is the federal boost to unemployment assistance, which was set at $600 per week in March, but recently expired, while the White House has come out in favor of reducing the federal assistance to $200 a week. Democrats have uh, called for keeping it at the $600 level. Because it's not their fucking money to spend, folks. Keep that in mind. Other provisions, such as another round of $1,200 stimulus checks, have broader support from both political parties. Where's the money coming from, jackass? Let's keep going. Traders and economists alike are also eager for the July jobs report, which the Labor Department is scheduled to release on Friday. So a couple things in motion here as we move forward and see what's going on with the stocks. But it looks like it's in spite of the fact that they keep trying to cram the coronavirus and the BLM protests down your throat, it looks like it's going to continue to go up. So that's going to be a good thing, I think. Let's keep going. From Forbes Archive, because they are fascists about their ad blocking. Stock market today, Dow Jones futures await. Second stimulus, U.S.-China tensions rise. TikTok and Microsoft in focus from Naeem Aslam. The S&P 500 Dow Jones Industrial Average futures are starting in the month of August on the back foot as investors are concerned about the U.S.-China tensions and the continuous surge in coronavirus cases around the world. However, traders are somewhat optimistic about economic recovery in China. The Chinese July manufacturing activity printed a better number than originally forecasted, actual 52.8% and forecast 51.3%. The reason the Dow futures are trading a little soft is that the U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said the U.S. is likely to announce stricter measures against Chinese companies. This is because they are a threat to national security.
These actions are expected to increase the already existing tensions between Washington and Beijing. But President Trump doesn't seem concerned about the matter. Last week, Trump said he would take measures to ban TikTok, a Chinese-owned video app from the U.S. Microsoft. Or from the U.S., Microsoft is interested in buying the American operation of TikTok. Microsoft confirmed it held talks to buy the U.S. operations of TikTok from its parent company, ByteDance, which we'll be talking about a little bit later on in the program. So China's going to war with the U.S. in trade-wise, at least, and. The stocks are suffering because of it. Welcome to your new global economy. Let's keep going here. Something I want to talk about, just a bit of uh, maybe a correction from the end of last week. We talked about it on the generational gap. I've talked about it. I said that I'm going to talk about it today, and we're going to talk about it on the Red Ned Show tonight. But I just wanted to point this out here because I would have never heard this if I didn't listen to Tim Pool. And, of course, going down the rabbit hole of what's in this is... Definitely scary, and the fact that nobody knew that this was there except people who read a Daily Cause article from seven or what? What was it? Thirteen years ago at this point, a while ago, but back when Bush was in office. So, the National Security and Homeland Presidential Directive. This is uh, more commonly known as Directive Fifty One purpose, this directive establishes a comprehensive national policy on the continuity of federal government structures and operations and a single national continuity coordinator responsible for coordinating the development and implementation of federal uh, continuity policies. This policy establishes national essential functions, prescribes continuity requirements for all executive departments and agencies, and provides guidance for state, local, territorial, and tribal governments and private sector organizations in order to ensure a comprehensive and integrated national continuity program that will enhance credibility of our national security posture and enable a more rapid and effective response to recovery or to and recovery from a national emergency. So, there are a couple things that are going on in here uh, in this directive. Executive departments and agencies means the executive departments enumerated in 5 U.S.C. 101, independent establishments as defined as by or by 5 U.S.C. 104.1, government corporations as defined by 5 U.S.C. 103.1, and U.S. Postal Service. So, this is an outline for what to do if we're in a national emergency and we can't get to the polls. What's going to happen to there? Because constitutionally. As soon as the president's term ends on Inauguration Day this coming year, he is supposed to be, by the Constitution, he's supposed to be out of the office, and the Speaker of the House is supposed to ascend to the presidency if we can't have an election. Like, say it were delayed, or say that there was some actual major bio attack, or some other major terrorist attack, a nuclear bomb goes off in Wyoming, or just something else like that where we can't get out to the polls or we can't hold an effective election. Per the Constitution, Nancy Pelosi is supposed to ascend to the presidency at this point, but now according to this law, which I don't know if Pelosi even knows is there, to be completely honest, because it was done by EO under George W. Bush. The presidency is supposed to continue until we can have an election per this EO, and nobody's talking about this. Well, Tim Pool talked about this, but for the fact of the matter is, is that nobody knew this was here. Now, we talked about whether or not Obama could have stayed in office for a third term if he thought that 
the election didn't go the way that he wanted, citing a national emergency of some sort. He had plenty of violence going on in his second term there, but there were talks about suspension of the election or any other number of ways that he could have stayed in office just to ensure the national safety profile off of this. But, I mean, this is... This is scary stuff, and the fact of the matter is we are sitting in the middle of a national emergency right now, which means that per this uh, executive order, the president could stay in power indefinitely if he needed to. So this is something to definitely pay attention to. Absolutely not. Definitely pay attention to the fact this is here. I don't think Trump would do this. I don't think he would. I don't know if he knows this is here or not, but this is definitely something to watch. All right, let's actually get into the news here because we're going to talk a lot about this tonight, I think. From Fox News, we're going to start off on some BLM stuff. Cuban business owner in Louisville decries BLM protesters' demands as mafia tactics. Martinez came to the U.S. on a raft in 18 in search of a better life from Edmund DeMarche. Fernando Martinez, a business owner in downtown Louisville, took part in a demonstration Sunday with fellow members of the Cuban community and expressed solidarity with Black Lives Matter protesters, even after he called their recent demands in the city mafia tactics. The Louisville Curl, uh, Courier Journal reported that business owners in the area received letters from protesters that included a list of demands to improve diversity in the community and in the workplace. The paper cited a press release that said that the letter was not delivered by protesters who told Martinez to put it on his front door so your business is not fucked with. The paper reported that Martinez, who was a partner at the Ole Restaurant Group and came to the U.S. on a raft at age 18, was not the only business leader who received the letter, and he took to Facebook to write, There comes a time in life that you have to make a stand and you have to really prove your convictions and what you believe in. All good people need to denounce this. How can you justify injustice with more injustice? It's injusticeception. The paper reported that some of the demands laid out in the letter included a minimum of 23% of the staff being black and buying at least 23% of their goods from black-owned retailers, to name a few. The city, like many across the U.S., has seen anti-police protests. The protests in Louisville have largely called for justice for Breonna Taylor, who, may I remind you, nobody had heard about until after George Floyd died, and Breonna Taylor's death preceded George Floyd's by almost 90 days. But nobody had heard that name until after George Floyd. Taylor, a 26-year-old black woman, was fatally shot when police officers burst into her Louisville apartment using a no-knock warrant, which is needs to be outlawed. In the early morning hours of March 13th, during a narcotics investigation, the warrant to search her home was in connection with the suspect who did not live there, and no drugs were found inside. The paper reported that 100 members of the city's Cuban community gathered in front of Martinez's newest restaurants in the area known as Nulu. The paper said Martinez gave a passionate speech and talked about how his restaurant is open to everybody. At one point he said, how can I be called a bigot and a racist when my family is black, when my son is gay, I'm the proud father of a gay son, and I'm not going to fight against anybody. So, yeah, they're coming out here and they're making demands, they're putting the notes up on the doors to say, hey. You do this, otherwise, hey, something might happen to you guys, and put the sign up to make sure you... This is Italian Mafia tactic all over again. And I have not seen any of this coming out at uh, any of the rest of us here, but 
I can't believe the fact that this is happening once again. Well, in some places it never really stopped. I mean, you got your protection no matter what. But, yeah. Make sure you only you buy a minimum of 23% from, 20, uh, from black-owned businesses. And 23% of your... Uh, 23% of your workforce is black. Otherwise, something might happen. So let's keep moving on off of this here. Seattle Police Chief slams City Council after activists target her home. You must forcefully call for the end of these tactics from Daily Wire News. Seattle's police chief called on Seattle City Council to stand up against mob rule after aggressive activists reportedly targeted her home over the weekend, what's, or which scared her neighbors. I wanted to update you on recent events, particularly those that occurred late last night, Best wrote in the letter addressed to the City Council President, Lorena Gonzalez, and Public Safety Chair Lisa Herbold, a residence of mine in Snohomish. How do you pronounce that word? For those of you who can see it up on the main screen, obviously Instagram, you guys aren't going to be able to see that when you're... Snohomish County was targeted by a large group of uh, aggressive protesters late last night. My neighbors were concerned by such a large group, but they were successful in ensuring the crowd was not able to trespass or engage in other illegal behavior in the area despite repeated attempts to do so. Currently, the local sheriff, not SPD resources, is monitoring the situation. I urge both of you and the entire council to stand up for what is right. These direct actions against elected officials and especially civil servants like myself are out of line with uh, and go against every democratic principle that guides our nation. Best continued before this devolves into the new way of doing business by mob rule here in Seattle and across the nation. Elected officials like you must forcefully call for the end of these tactics. The events of this summer were initiated in a moment of grief and outrage over the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis or by Minneapolis police officers, rather, and so many other black and brown people suffering at the hands of injustice. Best concluded, all of us must ensure that this righteous cause is not lost in the confusion of so many protesters now engaging in violence and intimidation, which many are not speaking against. Seattle Mayor Durkin had previously defended left-wing activists earlier in the year who had camped out in a so-called autonomous zone for a couple weeks, famously describing the situation as a potential summer of love. So the mob is coming, and mob justice shall be served no matter what. The mob will tell you what it is that you are going to do, and if you don't like it, then they're going to make things happen. And they're going directly against the police chief, which I thought she retired or stepped down. I guess not. I guess she's back in, but either way, yeah, the mob is coming for you, and they're not going to stop once their demands are met. They're going to go and grab some more demands as we go along here. All right, speaking of violence throughout the weekend, I've got a tweet, and then I want to read from this GoFundMe here and talk a bit about what's going on with this here. So Georgie over on Twitter tweets, Hey everyone, I'm facing a felony charge for retweet, uh, retweeting a tweet. Please take the time to read and share. And this goes into a GoFundMe, which I also have up here. Uh, there's not a lot of information on here. Of course, uh, Georgiana has already... Uh, raise $81.30. But let's have a look at it here. I mean, obviously, her lawyers already advise her not to discuss too much on the case, but let's see what's going on with this. 
On Friday, June 26, my friend attended a BLM solidarity ride out protest. At the protest, we were met with anti-BLM counter-protesters, separated by a wall comprised of officers from the police department. I physically did not attend this protest, but I shared my support by retweeting his tweet. His tweet was a picture of the cop turning his back, and his badge number was not visible. My friend stated that he felt threatened by this cop and attempted to specifically identify the, this cop by tweeting. I did not reply. I did not say anything against this cop and had zero clue to who he was. I simply retweeted because I felt that just as with anybody, we should hold our officers accountable. The purpose of this tweet was to find out the officer's information to hold him accountable. Yesterday, I was summoned to court and being charged with a felony, which stays on my record, comes with a sentence, puts my career at risk, takes away my voting rights, and a fine. I'm not facing this charge against the cop himself, but instead the whole police department. The charge is a fourth-degree felony. At first, I wanted to go to uh, court with legal or without legal advisement because I never heard retweeting a tweet being a crime, let alone a felony. In the picture, you can read the original tweet, and you can also see that I'm being charged with fourth-degree felony for what I believe is cyberbullying. But this charge is not a misdemeanor and is being filed because the cop claimed he felt afraid for his safety. So, and this goes on and continues off of this. August 26th is my hearing. August 5th is my tuition bill. Hiring a lawyer starts now. So, there's just a small picture off of this here. There isn't too much to go on with, uh, with this here. But from the looks of it here, the original poster attempted to dox a police officer in New Jersey. Now... Before I went live, I did look in and tried to see if I could find this case pending in the New Jersey court. I cannot find this case in the New Jersey court system where I could have done such a short notice. I may go back and try again to see if I could do this because that girl Alexis down in Oklahoma, I found her case right away, but that may be a difference between states. So I do want to go and see where this is going and what the state of New Jersey has to say off of this, what she's actually being charged with and what the case is going to be. But until then, yeah, she just $3,000 on, or yeah, that was the goal. And then $8,130 is what she's getting off of this here, which is a lot of money. And this is up over $2,000 from when I looked at this, when I found this on Saturday. But once again, now, if you're out trying to dox people, that's going to be for a jury to decide. And I'm glad you're going to take this to court. But, I mean, if you did go out and dox some people, then you might have had a little bit of this coming, depending on what New Jersey's laws are on doxing. I don't think this is going to come out as a felony, just based on what little bit I know of federal law. I don't think this is going to land as a felony. I do think this is going to become a state misdemeanor by the time the lawyers all look at it and figure this out here. But once again, if you're out doxing people, I mean, people want to dox me. And it's going to happen at some point here. I mean, my last name has been up on screen at this point. Most of you know where, right about where I live. I haven't said the city yet, but most of you probably have an idea of where I live. So I'll get doxed eventually at some point. And it's going to suck. But just like we saw with uh, the Seattle police chief, the mob is going out there and protesting at the homes of these officers where their families are. They're not protesting the officers themselves. They're protesting the families. They're using their intimidation fa uh, factor on the families, the wives, the children, the husbands in some cases. So, yeah, there's a give and take to this here. And once again, these police officers are human. 
as much as people try to dehumanize them at this point, they are human. And they still need to be treated with some sort of respect. And the, the rest of their families are not even involved. So this is something that's going to be... Uh, something we're going to keep seeing, I think. All right, let's keep going here because I'm tripping over my words. I do have some video here for you. Uh, of course, on Instagram, you guys aren't going to be able to see this here, but over on the rest of the platforms. If you're on Instagram and you can't see the video, uh, the link in my description on Instagram will take you to my uh, YouTube, which you can find my DLive and my, uh, my Twitch. That's the word that I'm looking for. All of which you can come in and join in with the festivities of the live chat here. But let me get your ears on here. First off, Ahmad Baba says, evidence shows outbreaks are not directly linked to protests. If that was the case, every major city, including New York, would have seen an enormous resurgence. They didn't. You know why? Because protesters wore masks and weren't in a closed space. Jim Jordan is a fool. Now, you also have to keep in mind at this point that the protests, you're not allowed to ask the people whether or not they were involved in a protest anywhere. You can't use protests for contact tracing. So, yeah, of course it's not going to show people with uh, people having the, or uh, what's the word I'm looking for? People contact tracing with the, uh, with a protest. Wow. I tripped over every single word of that sentence there. Wow. I think I need some more of this Nectar of the Gods energy drink that's in a quick trip cup because if the people who made the energy drink were paying me, it would be in their can. All right. But let's listen to this video here. I'm going to pop this open here. This is Jim Jordan asking Dr. Fauci a series of gotcha questions, apparently, according to Aaron Rupar. Spread of the virus. All right. Dr. Fauci, do protests increase the spread of the virus? Do protests increase the spread of the virus? Uh, I think I can make a general statement well, half a million protesters on June 6th alone, yeah. I'm just asking, that number of no. people, does yeah. it increase the spread of the virus? Cra crowding together, particularly when you're not wearing a mask, contributes to the spread of the virus. Should we limit the protesting? I, I'm not sure what you mean, should, how do we say limit the protesting? Should government the, limit the protesting? I, I, I don't think that's relevant to... Well, to, you just said if it increases the spread of the virus, I'm just asking, should we limit it? Well, I'm, I'm not in a position to determine what the government can do in a forceful way. Well, you make all kinds of recommendations. You, no. you make comments on dating, on baseball, on everything no. you can imagine. I'm just asking you, you just said it, yeah. that protests increased the spread. No. I'm just asking you, should we try to limit the protests? No, I think I would leave that to people who have more of an, a, a position to do that. I can tell you... Government that... stopping people from going to church, Dr. Fauci? Yeah. Last week in the Calvary Chapel case, five liberals on the Supreme Court said it was okay for Nevada <clears throat> to limit church services. Governor, I, I mean, Justice Gorsuch said it best. He said, there's no, there's no world in which the Constitution permits Nevada to favor Caesar's palace over Calvary Chapel. I'm just asking, is there a world where the Constitution says you can favor one First Amendment liberty protesting right. over another practicing your faith? I'm not favoring anybody over anybody. I'm just making a statement that's a broad statement that avoid crowds of any type, no matter where you are, because that leads to the acquisition and transmission. And I don't judge one crowd versus another crowd. When you're in a crowd, particularly if you're not wearing a mask, that induces it's just, the it's spread. A simple, it's a simple question, doctor. Should we limit the protest? Government is obviously yeah. lim limiting people yeah. going to church. And, and look, 
I, I'm there's not been gonna... no there's been no violence that I, I yeah. can see at church. I haven't seen people yeah. during a church service go out and, and harm police officers right. or burn buildings, but we know that I mean for sixty three days. All right, so that's what uh, Jim Jordan had to say, and I mean he's right. Now, who, the original tweeter that I got this from is a fool, obviously, because yeah, if this is really spread as fast and as hard as people try and say that it is, then yes, being in a crowd like that is going to 100% absolutely transmit this. But hey, no, 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 nothing's ever been linked to there. I mean, we haven't asked anybody about it, but nothing's ever been linked to the protest. So nothing to see here, guys. Just don't even worry about it. Nothing to see. So that's what we're seeing off of this here. I hoped you guys would enjoy that little bit of video. Like I said, for those of you on Instagram, head on over to the YouTube link and uh, you can see that here when the video processes or on the audio platforms as well. Let's keep going here. From Fox 5 News out of Atlanta, McDonald's CEO says law enforcement may be called on when customers who re uh, refuse to wear a mask. From Michael Holland and the Fox 10 staff, McDonald's appears to be serious about face masks. McDonald's CEO Chris Kamzinski recently spoke out or spoke about a recent decision the company has made amid the coronavirus pandemic. He specifically suggested that law enforcement may be called during situations when a customer won't wear a mask. Kamzinski discussed the mask situation July 31st during an interview with CBS This Morning. The company recently announced that it would be mandating customers and employees wear masks at all McDonald's locations. The CEO said, we're spending a lot of time right now in our restaurants, making sure that we can keep our crews safe, making sure that we can keep our customers safe. We've, for quite some time, required our crew to wear masks, but we thought that in light of what we are seeing, it's prudent now that we also ask our customers to wear masks in the restaurant as well. He continued, if someone is unwilling to wear a mask and comply with our rules, that might be where we might have to bring in law enforcement. Employees have reportedly undergone training on how to explain that masks are required, and according to Kemsinski, that training included de-escalation methods. He explained, ultimately, we're not going to be asking our crew people to put themselves in harm's way. These comments come after recent stories of incidents involving customers at various stores becoming aggressive over the face mask rules. Fox 35 Orlando previously reported that a Florida woman was caught on camera seeming to scream at a Walmart employee in shoppers after she was asked to leave the store for not wearing a mask. The woman was attempting to enter a Walmart in Winter Springs when she was reportedly asked to leave for refusing to wear a face covering. The woman then accused those of wearing masks as being cult members. You guys are fucking cult members, she yelled at the store. I'm not wearing a mask. Fuck you, she says, and walks away. So, and once again, here is the reality of it. In my county right now, and we'll talk a little bit more about this at the end of the show because this has something to do with what restores my faith in humanity. We'll talk a bit about this towards the end, but yeah. If a private business wants you to wear a mask, you should do so or not do business with the company, one or the other. Because why would you want to give them, if, if you think they're cult members, why would you want to give them your money? Why would you want to give them any sort of support off there, let them fail. Now, once again, county is under mask uh, mandate. So, that's it. We all have to do so, even though it's not really taken that seriously. So, that's how I see the mask thing. But the fact that McDonald's is coming and will call the police on you if you don't do so. 
Oof. You're going to make it really hard to eat those sandwiches. I have a day to figure out what I'm going to have before I go and do my gaming tomorrow, tomorrow night. And I don't think it's going to be the Golden Arches after this one. So, we're going to keep going off of this, though. From the Daily Wire, report L.A. Mayor served faux eviction notice by activists demanding he cancel rent. From Eric Quintanar. Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti was served with a faux eviction notice from protesters demanding that he cancel rent for residents in the city. According to LA Times, the protest outside the mayor's home drew hundreds of people, three of whom were arrested, one for alleged battery of a police officer, and one, or, and at one point, activists posted an eviction notice on the front gate of the mayor's official residence. An apparent photo of the notice captured by KPCC and posted to the local news site LAist read in all caps, You are hereby notified that you will be evicted from your mansion if you do not cancel rent within three days of receipt of this notice. The eviction notice also contains a bright red title, Three-day notice to cancel rent or quit, and warns the mayor that hundreds of thousands of people will face eviction. Should the rent not be canceled, he could also be prosecuted for crimes against humanity, the notice warns. This is some brown shirt shit right here. Holy fuck. This last part of it right here. He could be prosecuted for crimes against humanity by the mob. By people that are not law enforcement. By just people out there dragging him out of the house. And beating him or sending him off to the chamber. Oh my god. Despite Garcetti's far-left positions, the two-term mayor has not put his political weight behind the cancel rent movement, which seeks to free up many tenants from their obligation to pay landlords and would probably crush a large part, uh, part of the economy in the city of Los Angeles, by the way. In a memo to the city council back in April, the city's legal team warned that passing any rent forgiveness motions would result in the city being liable for the cost, according to a copy obtained by the LA Times. And this is a short, usually I don't read the quotes from the Daily Wire, but this is a little shorty here, so let's see what this has to say. A local government may not deprive property owners of their right to compensation for use of their property. Further, a local government may not single out a property owner to bear burden that should be borne by the public as a whole. Therefore, in order for the city to forgive rents during the period of emergency, the city must pay property owner just compensation. Given that the city has over a million rental units, this compensation could exceed $1 billion. That's a lot of money. And that's probably why he doesn't want to get in behind this here, because he's on the hook for over a billion dollars at this point. The memo notes that no city has passed such a measure, but mentions that the city of San Jose did consider doing it before deciding against it, based on constitutional grounds. So, yeah. This is going to get hairy out in uh, Los Angeles here, and... I mean, we may see Garcetti murdered by the mob. This is just more mob stuff from what we've been seeing off of this. I don't know if I should call this or title this video about uh, TikTok anymore because, and that'll of course change after I uh, get everything uploaded to YouTube because you're still seeing the Friday headline on every single platform that we're sitting on except Instagram that has no title off of this. But my God, this is everything that we're seeing off of this weekend is mob tactics, and we're about to see more mob tactics here. Let's keep going down this uh, down this road. From Politico, archived because they're fascistic against uh, ad blockers here, teachers' union threatens safety strikes before Biden's speech. From Juan Perez Jr., the American Federation of Teachers called Tuesday 
for safety strikes as a last resort if school reopening plans didn't don't meet demands for keeping educators healthy and safe amid the coronavirus pandemic. Union President Randy Weingarten delivered that battle cry during an address to union members, adding fresh tensions to fraught schoolhouse debates as President Donald Trump and presumptive Democratic nominee Joe Biden take sides on opposite ends of the fight. The National Labor Union floated the prospect of teacher strikes two days before Biden is scheduled to deliver a speech Thursday to the group's 1.7 million members. Anthony Fauci, the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, is also expected to discuss concerns about schools reopening in a discussion with the Weingarten on Tuesday night. Let's be clear, just as we have done with our health care workers, we will fight on all fronts for the safety of our students and their educators, Weingarten said on Tuesday. But if the authorities don't protect the safety and health of those we represent and those we serve, as our executive council voted last week, nothing is off the table. Not advocacy or protests, negotiations, grievances or lawsuits, or if necessary, and authorized by a local union as a last resort safety strikes. A spokesman for uh, Education Secretary Betsy DeVos said Tuesday that no one is advocating for teachers to be unsafe. Let's not pretend that Ms. Weingarten's uh, threat to strike has anything to do with the safety of children or the public. Education Department spokesperson Angela Morabito said in a statement, If the unions were really concerned about what doing what's best for the students and teachers, they'd be focused on what they need to do to be a partner in reopening school safety, uh, safely. Only weeks remain until schools restart in some semblance of instruction for tens of millions of kids, many of whom live in areas with ongoing virus outbreaks. Parents and school districts are struggling to decide whether to continue online learning this fall. As Trump and top members of his administration press for a return to in-person classes, and Senate Republicans push their plan to provide $70 billion to boost K-12 education. with a bigger cuts for schools that reopen. So, yeah, they're going to come down and they're going to use some more mob tactics here to try and make pretty much try and make what's going on happen for them. So, that's what we're going to see out of this here. And I actually found a list of demands that they have. So, National Day of Resistance demands and some of this of course, does have to do with the coronavirus, but some of it is off the rails, which is why I don't, I don't see any of this as being legitimate here. So, from the website demandstateschools.org, demands no reopening until the scientific data supports it. Police-free schools. All schools must be supported to function as community schools with adequate numbers of counselors and nurses and community parent outreach workers. Safe conditions, including lower class sizes, PPE, cleaning, testing, and other key protocols, equitable ac uh, access to online learning. There should have been an and in there, I uh, feel like. Which, this one here, you should be doing anyway. Because you got children in there. You should be cleaning. You should be cleaning your school much more often than you probably are. Because while this particular disease is not killing children on uh, any sort of major vector. Other diseases do. All right. Support for our communities and families, including canceling rents and mortgages. What does that have to do with education? I have no idea. A moratorium on evictions foreclosures, providing direct cash assistance to those who are not able to work, who are unemployed, or and other critical social needs, which means those who are unwilling to work. 
moratorium on new charter voucher programs and standardized testing, massive infusion of federal money to support the reopening funded by taxing billionaires and Wall Street, equitable access to online learning. This was just up here. Anyway, so that is the demands that they have here. Some of these have to do with the disease. Some of these just have to do with trying to push on the progressive agenda. And once again, they're going to use the mob tactics. They're going to get these children out of government-mandated indoctrination just so they can get their progressive demands and agenda out of this and wonder why homeschooling is going to become so much more popular. And like I said, this whole online classes thing, I said this before. This is something where they're, how do we know these kids are going to get anything out of the online learning? They could just be there. Some kid could be sitting in the Zoom meeting on his more powerful laptop that he's got up in his room on the Zoom meeting in the background and playing fucking Minecraft. Or what else do they play? Roblox or whatever the hell they play when they're young. He could be playing New Vegas. He could be watching one of my videos. But this is what they're going to do. This is what they're going to demand. And I think they will ultimately lose because of it here. Let's keep going here from Business Insider. Kushner's coronavirus team shied away from a national strategy, believing that the virus was hitting Democrat states hardest and that they could blame governors. Report from Mia Jankowitz. Members of Jared Kushner's coronavirus task force considered a national scale testing plan early in the U.S.'s coronavirus outbreak. However, according to a new Vanity Fair report, that's objective. The plan never came to be, partly because the task force thought it would be better politically to hold off. The logic, a source told Vanity Fair, was that the virus would hit Democratic voting areas the hardest and that the damage could be blamed on governors instead. In March and early April, Kushner, a senior White House advisor, led a task force parallel to the White House's official efforts to devise a plan to accelerate coronavirus testing and supply chains nationwide. Ultimately, that was abandoned, and President Trump shifted more of the responsibility for controlling outbreaks to individual states. A public health expert who was in regular contact with Kushner's team told Vanity Fair's Catherine Iban that political reasoning may have influenced the decision. The political folks believed that because it was going to be relegated to Democratic states that they could blame those governors and that would be an effective political strategy, the unaimed expert said. I mean, that's what happened, though. That's exactly what happened. Andrew Cuomo put sick patients in nursing homes with the elderly and caused a massive case spike in death toll all around the city. Garcetti and Newsom are just jerk-offs on this whole thing. They have no idea what's going on anywhere in their cities. They, I wouldn't trust them to handle a library card, much less a budget at this point here. Chicago was moderately... Chicago wasn't badly hit. It was moderately hit. But yes, it was happening in Michigan, on too, on top of it all. It was happening in all these major Democratic strongholds that were looking for power. Plus, we have federalism in this country, and states' rights supersede everything else. That's what this should have been right from the top. States' rights supersede everything else because the states are a lot closer to their people than the president is. The president knew federalism was going to work because what's going to work in South Dakota is not going to work in New York City. And what's going to work in Wyoming isn't going to work in California. 
Hell, even neighboring states. What's going to work in Wisconsin? Is it going to work in Illinois? Every state is different, has a different kind of population and a different kind of economy. So they would all react to this whole thing differently. Blame the governors. No, this is somebody looking and coming from Vanity Fair on top of this. No. Maybe that was going through Kushner's mind because Kushner's an asshole and there's a reason he's not in the campaign anymore. But on top of all of the rest of this here, this is federalism prevails and should always prevail off of everything else. I'm a federalist. States' rights, 10th Amendment Party. Let's keep going off of this. From my neck of the woods here. Wisconsin Republicans stand ready to kill the mask requirement from Scott Bauer. Wisconsin Senate Republicans stand ready to strike down the statewide mask mandate that Governor Evers announced on Thursday, the GOP's Senate leader said on Friday. Republican Senate Majority Leader Scott Fitzgerald stopped short of promising that the Senate would kill the order, which is slated to take effect on Saturday. Fitzgerald, a candidate for Congress who faces his GOP primary on August 11th, also did not indicate when the Senate might convene. Republicans in the state Senate stand ready to convene the body to end the governor's order, Fitzgerald said in a statement. The governor has caved to the pressure of liberal groups on this. However, can we trust that he won't cave and stop schools that chose in-person instruction this fall? There are bigger issues at play here, and my caucus members stand ready to fight back. So, uh, state law gives the legislature authority to revoke a government's emergency or governor's emergency order, rather. But the assembly, controlled by Republicans, would also have to vote to strike down the order. Assembly Speaker Robin Voss on Thursday noted that he expects the order to face a legal challenge, but didn't raise the possibility of the legislature taking action. He did not immediately respond to a request for a comment on Friday. The GOP-controlled legislature has not met since mid-April, despite calls from Evers and Democrats to convene to take up the issue related to the coronavirus pandemic, including ensuring that the Wisconsin National Guard can continue to work across the state assisting and testing for COVID-19. Yeah, no, they are definitely trying to go on in here and figure out what's going on with this and everything else that's uh, happening with this. But, yeah, on top of this... Wisconsin is going to shut this down. I think so already. And we'll talk a bit more about this towards the end. I, mean, I keep teasing this here, but this is going to be the thing that restores my faith in humanity towards the end here. But yeah, it's just... Nobody's taking this whole thing seriously, and the legislature should come together and strike this down. Because if you're going to make a new law, then the legislature should legislate it, not the executive. The executive executes laws. He doesn't make laws. So we'll see what happens off of this. As of right now, he's got it slated to a hard out on the 60 days because he knows that he will head out to the uh, head out to the Supreme Court in the state if he doesn't end it after 60 days. But he's going to hold it up as close to the election as he can. But we'll see what happens off of this here. All right, from CNBC, we are going to continue without supporting that because they're at least not as fascistic about their... Uh, Ad blocker laws, but even still, it's annoying. Trump says he will ban TikTok through an executive action. From Ria Bhattacharji, Amanda Macias, and Jordan Novet. President Trump said on Friday, on Friday rather, told reporters he will act soon to ban Chinese-owned video app TikTok from the United States, NBC News reported. Trump made the comments while chatting with reporters on Air Force One during the flight back to Washington from Florida. 
As far as TikTok is concerned, we're banning them from the United States, Trump said, calling the action a severance. Trump did not specify whether he will act through an executive order or another method, such as designation, according to NBC News. Well, I have that authority. I could do it with an executive order on that, Trump said. A TikTok spokesperson told NBC News that the app helped create jobs across the U.S. and was committed to user privacy. <clears throat> Bullshit. We've hired nearly 1,000 people to our U.S. team this year alone and are proud to be hiring another 10,000 employees in the great-paying jobs across the U.S., the spokesman said in a statement. Our billion-dollar creator fund supports U.S. creators who are building the livelihoods from our platform. TikTok U.S. user data is stored in the U.S. with strict controls on employee access. The statement said, TikTok's biggest investor comes from the U.S. We are committed to protecting our users' privacy and safety as we continue working to bring joy to our families and meaningful careers to those who create on our platform. So this has been in controversy over the uh, weekend. One of the things that came up off of this whole thing was the fact that people were saying that Gen Z couldn't figure out how to use a VPN to go around and get this. I think that's going to be false. I think that they are going to figure out how to become a part of the VPN generation. So, as far as that goes, I do think that TikTok is going to be just fine as they go along here. But, on the other end of this, of course, I don't think the government needs to be telling people what they can and cannot use. Now, this is a foreign entity, and if there is actual national security issues with it, then we should sit back and convene and look over this. If people still want to use it, that's going to be on them, as long as there's doesn't go against their employers, where their employers can fire them or anything else like that. There's, I don't think the government has a say in any of this, but I, you won't catch me using TikTok, I can tell you that. Now, one of the things that comes with this, of course, is... Uh, later on in the weekend, Trump was talking about whether or not this was feasible if they sold off to a U.S. company. And it does appear that we are going to be seeing that coming out of this as well. So, from Fox Business, yes, I'm using an ad blocker. No, I don't care. Microsoft, TikTok officials, go away. In White House talks to prevent total ban from Charlie Gasparino, Linda Moynihan, and Evie Fordham over at Fox Business. Okay, let me turn your ears off here because we have autoplay coming from Fox. And I didn't turn them off from when we watched the video earlier here. As Microsoft considers a buyout of the social media app TikTok, officials from big tech company as well as executives representing TikTok have been in discussions with the White House to prevent the Trump administration from issuing a complete ban of the app, Fox Business has learned. Those discussions come as President Trump is poised to issue an order that could ban the app from being used in the U.S. over security concerns or allow a U.S.-based company to buy the outfit pending a security review. The decision is expected either Monday or Tuesday. People close to the matter tell Fox Business. Confirming talks between the CEO Satya Nadella and Trump. Microsoft said Sunday it is prepared to continue discussions to purchase the U.S.'s TikTok operation until September 15th. Microsoft fully appreciates the importance of addressing the president's concerns, the company said in a statement. It is committed to acquiring TikTok subjects, uh, subject to a complete security review and providing the proper economic benefits to the United States, including the United States Treasury. And the Trump administration has been weighing TikTok's fate since last year, launching an investigation into the short video company of mid-fears that the Beijing-based parent 
ByteDance shares consumer information with the communist Chinese government. As first reported by Fox Business, ByteDance entered into talks about a month ago with Microsoft to buy TikTok's U.S. operations as a way to save the business from a decision by the administration that would prevent the popular app from being used by U.S. consumers. So, there are a lot of things that are going along with this. Now, of course, somebody came out and said that some prominent TikToker was bullying Trump, and that's why he was trying to ban it. And nobody knew who this woman was before any of this happened. She's blue check verified. I don't know who she is. I've never heard of this woman before in my life, but apparently she's got 2 million followers over on Twitter. But either way, no, this, there are a lot of things that are going on with this, unfortunately. So I don't know. I have no idea. Like I say, you won't catch me using TikTok because first off, I don't understand it. Second off, if it's owned by the Chinese, like I say it is, or like I see that it is, then, yeah, I don't want to be anywhere near this because they can be turned over to Chinese CCP ownership at a moment's notice. All right, let's keep going along here. Uh, hey, somebody over in the live chat here, you want to jump over onto Twitch if you've got uh, wrench power and uh, take care of some stuff over there for me? If you could, please, thank you. All right, let's keep going here. From the New York Times, a former newspaper, lobbying intensifies among VP candidates as Biden's search nears an end. Two women, Representative Karen Bass and Susan Rice, the former National Security Advisor, are among the most formidable contenders on Joe Biden's list. From Jonathan Martin, Alexander Burns, and Katie Gluick. Joseph R. Biden Jr. has entered the final stages of his deliberations about choosing a running mate as he prepares to talk one-on-one -on -one with the finalists next week, while Democratic leaders lobby him furiously to elevate their allies and sink their enemies. Mr. Biden's campaign has conducted extensive polling and focus groups with voters on a collection of candidates and weighed an array of factors, such as the impact of the pick in battleground states and whether to choose a black woman. Aides say the announcement will come the week before the Democratic Convention in August. Two candidates who received scant attention earlier in the process are now among leader, or leading contenders, Representative Karen Bass of California and Susan E. Rice, the former National Security Advisor, according to Democratic officials briefed on the selection process. Ms. Bass, in particular, has moved rapidly towards the top of Mr. Biden's list amid intensive lobbying drive by her fellow House Democrats, including prominent members of the Congressional Black Caucus. Mr. Biden said, or is said to be focused on finding a running mate he regards as capable of advancing his priorities in governing and who can be counted on to stray from, or not to stray from the urgent challenges facing the nation to pursue their own political priorities, according to people familiar with his thinking. His advisors would also prefer a running mate who would not present a rich political target for President Trump, given that the incumbent is lagging badly in polls and has so far struggled to deliver credible negative attacks against Mr. Biden. That's because he's been hiding in a fucking basement for three months because they need to make sure that he doesn't get up on a debate stage or get up on a stage anywhere and make a complete fool out of himself. So. And I don't see, I mean, Susan Rice, no. Susan Rice was a terrible national security advisor, as we could see by everything else that we had going on. I mean, she is one of the most authoritarian people out there. And remember, whoever's going to be Biden's VP pick, if by some miracle of life he gets elected, whoever winds up being his VP pick is likely going to wind up being president.
So that's something to keep in mind as we pick this here. And I don't know enough about Karen Bass, but from what I understand, she's uh, she is a little bit kooky herself. I would have to look into her a little bit more here. I know most people have been focusing on Kamala Harris, Gretchen Whitmer, Elizabeth Warren, and even Bernie Sanders. So this is going to be coming up here in a couple weeks, and we will be watching it as we go along here. More Biden news here. Biden should not debate President Trump, Clinton's ex-White House spokesman says from Edmund DeMarche. Joe Lockhart, the former White House press secretary, penned an op-ed last week urging Biden to skip debating Trump over the November election. Whatever you do, don't debate Trump, he wrote on CNN. Trump has made more than 20,000 misleading or false statements, according to the Washington Post. It's a fool's errand to enter the ring with someone who can't follow the rules or the truth. Biden will undoubtedly take heat from Republicans and the media for skipping the debates, but it's worth the risk as trying to debate someone incapable of telling the truth is an impossible contest to win. Yeah, no, they're doing everything they can at this point to try and make sure that, nope, he doesn't get up on that debate stage because he is going to get absolutely lambasted. Trump is going to eviscerate Biden, and they're doing everything in the world to keep him up off of this. Senator Cruz responded to the op-ed on Sunday, Basement Strategy Part 2. Trump supporters have poked fun at the former vice president for conducting many of his interviews from home. Trump's defenders have also speculated about Biden's overall health and Biden's refusal to debate could provide more cannon fodder. Trump supporters have also said Democrats and their allies in mainstream media remember how effective Trump was in getting his message across to voters during live press conferences in 2016, and they do not want to give the president that kind of platform again. Lockhart pointed out that many polls are unfavorable for Trump, and every quantitative signal and historical precedent points to a surefire loss for the president in November. Well, they also pointed to a surefire loss in 2016. So, yeah, there is so much going on. But the big part of this, of course, is the fact that, yes, they're just trying to make sure that Mr. Biden doesn't get up on the stage. So, as gaff-prone as he is, he doesn't get up on that stage and make a fool out of himself, which he's going to be doing. I don't care what you think of Biden. If he gets up on that stage, he's going to make a complete fucking idiot of himself. Let's keep going. From Yahoo Entertainment, House rejects Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's proposal to ban military recruitment on Twitch. This comes to Yahoo Entertainment via the rap from Samson Amore. The House of Representatives on Thursday voted against the passage of an amendment spearheaded by Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez that would bar the U.S. military from recruiting via game streaming site Twitch. Ocasio-Cortez brought the amendment to a vote as a part of the H.R. 7617 Department of Defense Appropriations Act. The House, uh, House voted to block the amendment with 292 votes against, compared to 126 in support of it. The amendment came after a July 15th report in the nation that detailed the military's recruitment tactics on Twitch, which included unspecified uh, or include rather unspecified gaming hardware giveaways. The Army, Navy, and Air Force each have their own esports teams that stream on Twitch, targeting viewers as young as 12 to sign up. The recruiters in question typically play Infinity War, uh, Ward's Call of Duty or Riot Games' recent. Re Lee released first-person shooter Valorant on the streams as they answer questions from potential recruits live. Oh, crap, I didn't see that the timer was going out here. So, uh, yeah, 
I uh, just lost Instagram. I hope everybody pops over to the, uh, I would have said so if I actually looked at the timer here before. But yeah, I would have said so if I'd uh, thought about it. But I hope everybody from Instagram pops over and gets in the live chat with you guys as well. All right, let's keep going here though, because the news stops for nobody here. Ocasio-Cortez says the practice is predatory and should be banned. War is not a game, the Marine Service, and issues associated with combat are too serious to be gamified in a responsible manner, Ocasio-Cortez said during the session. Ocasio-Cortez classified Twitch and other live streaming platforms as populated with children. Well under the age of military recruitment rules, children as young as 12 can be targeted to fill out recruitment forms online, and added that she believes we should again uh, restrain and restrict from explicit recruitment tactics on such platforms. Indiana Congressman Peter Visklovsky disagreed with Ocasio-Cortez's assumption and said during the hearing that he believed the military should be allowed to recruit soldiers on numerous platforms. The U.S. military is a very special place, Visklosky said. Only about 30% of young Americans between 17 and 24 are eligible to join the military. We ought to cast a very broad net to encourage young Americans to serve their country. Yeah, and that's... I mean, we don't need as many soldiers out there in the world as we do, but as long as we are continuing to fight wars that are putting money into the pockets of the House of Representatives and the Senate and even various former presidents and former first ladies. <clears throat> I'm not going to name any names here. But yes, that's going to be very important for us to continue to recruit people through places like Twitch and other various streaming services. So as long as they're getting money off it, they're not going to pass any sort of bill that restricts any sort of military recruitment. They're just not going to do it because they need to get those people out there. So that was fun. That was fun to see Ocasio-Cortez get slapped around by the House because we were all thinking for a while that the House was afraid of her, and I don't think that's the case anymore. All right, I just got a couple more here, and then we're going to do something that restores my faith in humanity and head on out of here. So let's take a look at what's going on down the coast. Isaiah's hovering off the Florida coast may strike Carolinas as hurricane then sweep up the East Coast, from weather.com meteorologists. Isaias, is it, oh, E-S-A-E-S, that's how I'm supposed to be pronouncing that. That's not how I'm going to pronounce it, I'm going to, I'm going to keep saying Isaias, is crawling just off Florida's Atlantic co uh, coast and will head to the Carolinas, then up the East Coast as far as New England, bringing heavy rainfall, strong winds, and st uh, storm surge flooding to some areas. The latest warnings and watches are depicted in the map below. A watch means the respective conditions are possible within the next 48 hours. A warning means those conditions are expected within 36 hours. A hurricane watch has been issued for a portion of South Carolina and North Carolina coast in case Isaiah is able to make landfall as a Category 1 hurricane. Tropical storm warnings extend as far north as Delaware. Tropical storm watches extend as far south as parts of coastal southern New England. Isaiah's is centered just off Florida's northeast coast, with or while much of the rainfall from the storm is located on the north and east of its center of circulation, some uh, outer bands of rain are wrapping ashore or will do so as far north as Georgia coast. Occasional gusts from 40 to 50 miles an hour have been clocked at various reporting stations along Florida's Atlantic coast, including Vero Beach. 
Isaiah is forecast to maintain its intensity as a strong tropical storm or pick up or may take up a bit to briefly retain hurricane status, making landfall Monday night or early Tuesday in South Carolina or southeast North Carolina. From there, the storm will quickly sweep northeastward near parts of northeast seaboard as far north as New England Tuesday into early Wednesday. So, yeah. Our, uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to the people who are going to be affected by this because it does look like, according to the map, it's going to go right up the eastern seaboard into western Massachusetts instead of eastern Massachusetts. Far, far west of where I lived out there, but definitely will hit Virginia, D.C., Maryland, Delaware, everywhere else here, and we know a lot of people up in there. A lot of friends of the show live in that uh, particular area, so... Congratulations on Florida for bypassing the worst of this here, and we will continue to watch this as we know people that live in North, uh, North and South Carolina, Virginia, and this entire affected region. All right, last one here before we do something that restores my faith in humanity from CNN. NASA SpaceX mission, astronauts splash down after historic mission from Jackie Waddles. SpaceX's crew Dragon spacecraft carrying NASA astronauts Robert Benkin and Douglas Hurley splashed down into the Gulf of Mexico on Sunday, marking a safe end to a historic two-month mission and paving the way for the U.S. to once again become a world leader in human spaceflight. The Crew Dragon vehicle fired up its engines and safely plunged back through the Earth's thick atmosphere on Sunday afternoon before deploying parachutes and slowing the vehicle down for its target landing off the coast of Florida. Their mission to the International Space Station marked the first crewed spaceflight to launch from the U.S. since the space shuttle program retired in 2011. It was also the first time in history that a commercially developed spacecraft carried humans into Earth's orbit. Mission Control dispatched a humorous welcome to the astronauts. Thank you for flying SpaceX. <laughs> I like that, actually. That's awesome. Hurley and Benkin made their first post-splashdown public appearance, and after they were shuttled by helicopter, then airplane to Houston, Texas. Houston, we don't have a problem. Where astronauts greeted their families. The men sat to address the public during a media event streamed on NASA TV. We're not going to stand right now, Hurley told an audience at a landing strip near Johnson Space Center. For those of you who have done this before, he said, referring to the arduous strip home from space, you know, it's not a pleasant standing for a few hours after you get back. Benkin also thanked the leaders of NASA's commercial crew program, including Kathy Luters, the longtime program who was recently, our program head rather, who was recently promoted to NASA's head of human spaceflight. He also thanked SpaceX CEO Elon Musk, who flew into Houston to greet the astronauts after watching their return to Earth from SpaceX's mission control in Hawthorne, California. A visibly emotional Musk later remarked, This is the result of an incredible, incredible amount of work from the people at SpaceX and the people at NASA. A commercial company has done better than the government and put someone in space and brought them home. That is amazing. That is one of the most amazing. I mean, Trump said we're going to go back to space in this country. And then he got the government out of the way. And SpaceX did it. Elon Musk did it. Boeing is getting ready to do it. And the competition between Boeing and SpaceX made this possible. The American capitalist dream is alive. The commercial dream is alive. Don't let any of these little socialist kids tell you that it's not. Because it definitely 100% is. 
this was almost the thing that restored my faith in humanity, but something a little bit closer to home and a little bit more pressing did that for us. But I mean, this, this is amazing. Absolutely 100%. All right, last thing from a little bit closer to home here. Something that restores my faith in humanity. So, as we heard earlier on in the episode and over on Friday, Wisconsin passed a mask mandate for everywhere indoors. My particular supervisor came out with a box of masks and told me that on Friday, or Saturday rather, I would be required to wear one. My job did not take any of this seriously and neither did any of the customers that came in on Saturday. We saw very, very quickly how seriously that was taken because nobody wore it. And one guy called in and said, oh, well, I'm not going to wear one because I've got asthma. I just don't want you to be freaked out. I said, dude, you're fine. None of my coworkers wore one. I wore one for like half the day and then decided I didn't care. But then my favorite meat shop is a couple, uh, a couple towns over. So I went over there on Sunday to go pick up some meat for the week because, you know, doing the low carb thing, you go through an exorbitant amount of meat to do so. I went over there, you know, mask in hand, getting ready to go. I actually threw it on in the truck as I was getting ready to go into the store. Walked into the store, there's a guy sweeping the floor and two people behind the counter. Nobody's wearing masks. So this is the place that I went here. And we had a good conversation about, actually the guy sweeping the floor recognized me from my YouTube channel, which was amazing. What are the odds that of 270 of you guys, one of them actually works at the meat market that I love to go to. But yeah, he recognized me right away. Well, he didn't recognize me right away, but we started talking about political analysis and everything else. And I told him that I was a YouTuber that dealt on politics. He said, that's where I've seen you from. But the biggest thing out of this, of course, is the fact that, yeah, the discussion that came out of this as we were sitting there talking was the fact that, no, nobody in Rock County gives a damn about the mask mandate. We don't care. Yes, up in Dane County, they care, and they're probably doing it with a massive heart on. Oh, well, we get to tell you what clothes you can cannot wear because we can do this. But, yeah, no. They're... Nobody in Rock County gives a damn about this. We think it's stupid. Yeah, the big corporate places have the big signs. Of, you will not enter unless you are wearing a mask. Thou shalt not. But, yeah, this little small business and pretty much any small business elsewhere across Rock County doesn't care. We just want to get on with our lives. So that's what restores my faith in humanity. The fact of the matter is, is that our skeleton of a governor can come down and make a law or an executive order because it's not exactly a law and nobody gives a fuck. Nobody gives a damn about what it is because we are free and independent. Freedom and independence is what restores my faith in humanity. So that's going to be it for the day here. We will be back here later on with a couple more hours of uh, content here with my wonderful co-host Elaine. We've got a full show here and I'm going to add a couple things now that we're uh, getting up off the air because a couple of things happened over the weekend I think we need to talk about. But make sure you come on in here and check us out. We do read the live chat in between topics. So we will get to some of your questions as well. So make sure you come over and check out our questions. Otherwise, on Friday, I will thank everybody who came in and talked in the live chat today. So until then, we hope to see you tonight. Otherwise, we will be back here tomorrow with more contemporary. So... Until then, I'm Jay Edgar, and this is Contemporary.